The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And excited today to bring you someone who seems to know more about Hollywood than anybody else. I've been reading his new book, a great book. It's called All is Vanity, and uh, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. And um, that is very true. I'll let him explain where that title comes from and so on. But um, Michael is the has been an executive or producer or a regular producer um, at the top uh, film studios in town. He started out as a publicist, a press agent, um, for people like Marilyn Monroe and pretty much anyone who you can think of from the glamour old Holly, glamorous old Hollywood days to today. He has been involved with, in one way or another, representing them, making deals, I mean... The only regret I have is that there's no way we can cover all this in one uh, hour, Michael. So we're gonna, I'm going to have to have you on again because um, not only are, are you in, does your book reveal stories behind the scenes of Hollywood, um, but I love your um, attitudes about where the entertainment industry is going, what it's doing, the uh, the idea of keeping us all entertained while the rest of the world goes to pot, um, violence in the media, everything. So but, but let's start. <laughs> we have to start somewhere. So yeah. um, first of all, welcome to the show. I really, uh, I, I, it's, I, people, this book, people have to get this book because anybody who you've been, um, but now I'm talking to my listeners, anyone who you've been uh, a fan of, curious about, um, just anything you wanted to know that you haven't read about already are in these files that Michael has opened um, about the people that he has worked with, represented, known, slept with, and so on in Hollywood. Um, that which actually brings me to my first question, and that is, why now? Um, aren't you? What are you? I mean. You obviously, this is a risk for you to have been, to write all of these um, interesting details about these people to the extent, including uh, the things that, uh, this, that you write about in regard to what happened to Mar- Marilyn Monroe. Of course, yes, you know, people have, have uh, speculated about that and so on, but you really put it in such succinct uh, format and, and, and as an insider's view. Um, 
obviously, and not just Marilyn Monroe, but lots of other people too. What what on earth <laughs> caused you to uh, to risk your the your life in Hollywood by doing this? This is kind of like you'll never eat lunch in this town again. <laughs> well, or dinner either. Right. Um, my two daughters have been after me for years to leave something behind, not that I'm in any hurry to go anywhere. Um, and so after enough nagging, I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I never really intended to write a book. And I started with a blank screen on my computer and uh, started writing. And as you know, being the psychiatrist uh, uh, that you are uh, and as learned as you are, uh, Everything is connected, all memories. And when I started to write, I started to recall things that I had forgotten or didn't remember that I had experienced. And one thing led to another, and then all of a sudden I got caught up in it, and I was writing literally around the clock for about hmm. three months. Uh, and out it came. And I obviously edited it, and I left a lot of stuff out that... Um, I wasn't sure uh, how it would be received or how I would be received um, after that. So I am now encouraged to do the sequel, which I am hard at work on. Right oh, now. great. Uh, well, how, well, okay, when did this book first come out? Uh, it was published on 9-09-09, September 9th, 09. Okay. And what has been the reaction? Do you still eat lunch and or dinner in this town again? <laughs> yes, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's mm -hmm. been very good. Uh, everybody who I know who has read it, or even people uh, around the world, uh, have sent me, because uh, I started a Facebook page just to see what the reaction would be. I'm getting wonderful comments from everywhere. As a matter of fact, I went to Bangkok uh, October 23rd, I have some uh, highly placed friends there to introduce the book. Uh, they had a press conference for me. I was interviewed by uh, uh, television from Vietnam, from China, from oh. Japan, from Singapore, and, of course, from Thailand. Uh, they are fascinated with old Hollywood. Um, apparently, that's how everybody in the world learned about America, by watching American movies. Not today's movies so much, because they're all fantasy, but uh, the movies that most attracted me um, as a movie worker would have been from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. After that, it became uh, very fractured into kind of the, the youth movement came in in 70, and there were protest movies and anti-political movies and anti-Vietnam War movies and stuff like that, and then just silly pictures about drugs and stuff. And so uh, our influence overseas uh, dropped, I think, uh, severely uh, after that. And now today's movies really don't interest me as much as the ones before because they don't really have stories. Um, I would say that the movie Avatar, which is going to be the biggest movie uh, ever, uh, is kind of a silly story. It's cowboys and Indians. But the impact of that movie is to me as a film historian um, and a lifelong devotee is that it's as important as when, in 1912, when D.W. Griffith took films out of the barn and onto the street, or as important as sound, or equally as important as color, or widescreen in 1960, which is when I um, uh, was working for 20th Century Fox and they introduced um, uh, widescreen with the robe. 
uh, in that if I were a major movie star today, let's say a Tom Cruise or an agent at one of the top agencies, I'd be seriously looking for another line of work because what Avatar proves to me at last is that movie stars are no longer necessary. Hmm. And um, I suppose that with the, uh, the proof that um, the most important person in the picture in terms of uh, screen knowledge is Sigourney Weaver, uh, it's clear that um, you don't need movie stars anymore to make movies. And that's going to have a profound effect on the movie business because if you take out not only the $25 million up front that a movie star gets, but also the gross position where they get paid before the studio gets their money back, it's going to have a profound effect on uh, the movie business and how that works. Well, are you saying that... um is that meaning that even newcomers are unknowns, or are you saying that uh, uh, animation? No, uh, they, what Cameron using uh, is using is called motion capture, which is really a, an improvement on what they used to call rotoscope, uh, where they used to trace an actor's movements. Now they do it electronically. It's not animation so much as it is a new form of uh, computer-generated. Um, activity on the screen, uh, but it's so real. I don't know if you've seen the film, but it's so I real. I actually have been, I uh, have not seen it yet, because I I've been uh, not not doing much of anything except trying to finish my book by, by yesterday, so yeah. that's one of the movies, though, that I want to see, because obviously, um, you know, when something like that gets such a, any movie gets such a wide um, uh, distribution and so many people go to see it, the the messages in the movie, of course, are influencing people. And just like you talk about it in this book, in your book, All is Vanity, um, one of the things that I've been concerned about for years and have been an activist uh, in regard to is the violence in, in film and in television, in all kinds of media, uh, video games. Um, and the more that that has spread over the world, well, it's you know, first over the United States, but certainly over the world, the more responsible it is for um, people resorting to violence, becoming more aggressive, which isn't to say that there aren't, of course, religious and sociopolitical and so on reasons for why people are being violent, but um, the real reason or this, this, the, the, where this violence, the strength of the violence comes from, what has fueled it, um, the ease with which people adopt that to to support whatever ideology they have, comes from being exposed to all this violence in the media. You're absolutely right. As a matter of fact, I cover that in my book, which, by the way, uh, can be found on Amazon.com um, and other places as well. But um, I cover that as well. I started talking against violence in movies in 1976. Uh, Hugh O'Brien, the uh, Western actor, has a foundation, and... Uh, uh, I was invited to speak at that, and I covered um, this the uh, the uh, sense of violence in the films. And we are just a higher form of monkey, and we uh, we tend to uh, copy uh, what we see as children. Uh, we are. Um, uh, tiny, and our parents are giants, and we observe them and how they interact. If they interact violently, we think that then when we grow up, well, that's the way adults are. So we're culturized uh, to to violence, and it's interesting that we, among all 
uh, the other animals on the planet have uh, what no other animal has, which is logic and reason. So therefore, we're able to project at the um, end of our fingers what is likely to happen based on any action. And the fact that we don't consider that uh, from time to time when provoked takes us right back to childhood behavior where we act out instead of uh, logic and reason. And um, because we are culturized to violence and because we tend to um, uh, emulate it uh, in our personal behavior is a proof that we haven't evolved as far as, uh, as, as we think we have. We have uh, um, hormones that are not necessary anymore uh, that cause us to fight or flight when uh, confronted with a potentially dangerous situation. We may have 21st um, century bodies, but we still have Neanderthal responses. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you, do you remember the, uh, in 1993, um, one of the things that I'm most proud of, actually, do you remember the rocket, that the NASA rocket that was going to go up? Uh, with an ad on the outside, and yes. the and Columbia bought the ad space, yes. and it was for Schwarzenegger's Last Action Hero. Yes, uh-huh. I do. Well, I was that. the one who stopped that rocket. Well, good for you. <laughs> I went on a campaign to get people to to call and write and fax NASA and Columbia and Schwarzenegger's publicist and um, and the president. Um, and eventually, enough people, you know, by my going on this campaign, it took me about three and a half months, uh, taking it to the media, enough people did call and write and so on, that they wound up um, canceling the whole flight because the, the companies who were going to put products on it didn't want to be involved with something that had now had such bad publicity, which you can appreciate as a person. I certainly can. And I'm, I'm <laughs> I mean, it wasn't my intent, actually, to stop the whole rocket. I just didn't... I mean, the idea of having an ad on the outside of a NASA rocket was pretty disgusting, but the idea of it being for a violent movie, the first ad, uh, was, just, was just something that was intolerable. And yeah. it's intolerable that we have to take a break, but we do. <laughs> My okay. guest is Michael Selzman. He's the author of the new book called All is Vanity. And uh, we'll be hearing more about uh, his views on Hollywood and, and uh, the secrets about the celebrities when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. 
Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Radio by George is a lifestyle program dedicated to improving the lives of listeners by focusing on the holistic growth of their mind, body, and spirit. Host Eddie George shares his life experiences as well as the experiences of his guest commentators and experts with the listening audience to focus them toward reaching their personal and professional goals. Tune in every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. PST, 4 p.m. EST to Radio by George on the Voice America channel and learn more from the life experiences of a man who went from being a somewhat unruly kid in the streets of Philadelphia to a retired professional athlete who has become a role model for not only young people, but for businessmen and women globally. Plan to spend your Monday afternoons with Eddie George and his empowering talk radio show, Radio by George. That's Every Monday at 1 p.m. PST, right here on the Voice America channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Michael Selzman. He's the author of All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. Um, he just told us that Volume 2, which is going to be even juicier, which <laughs> this one is pretty juicy already, um, is going to be coming out too. Uh, why don't we... What, Certainly, one of the you start the book um, with your relationship, so to speak, with Marilyn Monroe. Of course, that's exciting. Um, so, why don't we talk about her and, and what your involvement was, and, and particularly about her death? Because I really, you really put, you know, you really open up that mystery again. Especially, um, it always has bothered me how her psychiatrist. It seemed to have been whatever conspiracy there might well have been, and as you say, to, to maybe just let her die, not necessarily to murder her, but it really always bothered me that her psychiatrist didn't do more. So why don't you just tell us, take us through the whole story? 
Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, we're all fantasists uh, as human beings, as you know, and especially so in Los Angeles, which is a factory town. Uh, movies are the product, and we all work in the factory. And so because movies form so much a part of our unconscious life and direct so much of our conscious life, um, we tend to love conspiracy theories. Hmm. And we make them up every day about um, people around us. I mean, if somebody snubs us on the telephone or didn't say goodbye when they hung up, we tend to form an entire scenario mm-hmm. around what did I, what should I have said, what didn't I say. Right. What do you, <laughs> always. And so when, um, uh, when a fantasy is available to us, such as who killed John F. Kennedy or... Did Marilyn Monroe die by her own hand? Uh, did she commit suicide? Or wasn't it inadvertent? Or was she murdered by the CIA or the Kennedy brothers or something? Uh, this kind of stuff tends to just live on forever. Uh, and when uh, a celebrity dies, clearly of, uh, of a mistake or a medical mistake or um, however, we tend to put that at, at rest and we don't uh, live with that the rest of our lives. For instance, at the time I was representing Marilyn Monroe, I was also representing Judy Garland. Uh, and Judy died um, just from drug addiction and from alcohol and whatever, and so we don't, um, we don't suspect a conspiracy. And she's not as well-known as a result as, as Marilyn Monroe because that mystery will never be solved. My own personal opinion is that uh, she took too many sleeping pills and drank too much champagne and uh, inadvertently stopped her heart, but you'll never uh, get over uh, the conspiracy aspect, and and that's why she is more of a star today than she ever was when she was alive. And I dare say, a hundred years from now, uh, it'll still be the same way. She's an industry in herself that probably brings a billion dollars into various people who use her name or a likeness or however. Well, tell us about the conspiracy you know the different aspects of that yeah when you mentioned uh, dr greenson her psychiatrist uh in this town you are who you represent if you're a lawyer or an agent or a doctor or a psychiatrist you um live and die by your client list and uh you can see today that uh, michael jackson's doctor who nobody's would have known uh, his name uh, until Jackson inadvertently died, is now uh, considered culpable for his death. Whether he is or not uh, is not up to us to decide, but up to a jury. But uh, in this town, um, your client list goes before you. So Greenson uh, gave in to whatever demands she wanted, just like uh, Dr. Murray gave in to Michael Jackson's demands. And so if she wanted more sleeping pills than he should have prescribed for her, he gave them to her. As a matter of fact, there were uh, several bottles of sleeping pills on her night table uh, when her body was discovered. So Greenson didn't want to um, act responsibly. He wanted to make sure that she remained his client so that when he went out to dinner with his friends, he could woo, uh, uh, he could cause oohs and ahs uh, over the salad. Uh, to his uh, non-professional friends. So that's this town. Um, it's uh, insidious in uh, in that way. Well, um, okay. And could you talk about the Kennedy and the uh, mob and the... Sure. Um, 
Sure. And the mob has been part of Hollywood since um, probably before World War II, when uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt let Lucky Luciano out of jail so that he could open the Brooklyn docks so that we could send Lend-Lease uh, tanks and planes and whatever to England uh, before we got into the war. And um, Joe Kennedy, who was uh, the father of the Kennedy brothers, uh, was a bootlegger in the 20s and uh, was in business with what the mafia was at those times. Uh, during Prohibition, when rum or other forms of alcohol was carried across the border on lakes or in trucks by uh, the mafia, Kennedy was um, an intimate of those people. And some say that Jack Kennedy won the election as president because of uh, Cook County which uh, uh, in Chicago, which was the mafia uh, stronghold in America at the time. So the, the mafia has been inside the White House and probably still is uh, since then. And so um, it's normal to link mafia people like Sam Giancana with Jack Kennedy and Bobby Kennedy, uh, as well as the Teamsters, which was uh, well known to be mafia controlled. And so when the Kennedy brothers were in town, which was very frequent, I knew all about it, and so did everyone else. So we had a different relationship with the media then. Today, it would be front page news. Then um, we were um, very respectful of the positions that uh, of authority, and <clears throat> what I form, what I normally did was to trade information on other movie stars to the media so that they wouldn't print what they already knew about Kennedy mm. and, uh, and and the girls. And as a matter of fact, one of the uh, uh, young actresses around town who I represented as an agent, Judy Campbell, was not only the mistress of um, one a mistress of Jack Kennedy, but also this at the same time the mistress of Sam Giancana, the primary mm. godfather in Chicago. So you know, and I know, that she was carrying messages from mm. the White House to the Mafia and back and forth. She was like a courier. Hmm. You know, why do you think that that is, that um, the media has changed as far as uh, report, you know, in the past not telling these kinds of secrets about high... I mean, people in high political offices as well as the superstars. And now um, now we have um, photographers camped out wherever it seems like a celebrity might go. Um, one of my favorite um, literary figures is uh, Lewis Carroll, who wrote um, Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland, everybody knows. Uh, he uh, also was something of a pederast, and the the girl Alice really existed. And uh, he wrote poetry to her. He was in love with her. She was only hmm. 11 years old. Hmm. He wrote a poem called Child of the Pure Unclouded Brow, in which he said, tried to explain um, adults to children, because uh, we, op we operate in separate universes, as you know, and which he said, we are but older children, dear, who fret because our bedtime's near. And so we are all children. And we, as children, we are always probing the boundaries of, of behavior, what we can get away with. And so as the, as the tenor of American life, social life, has coarsened, uh, we keep pushing the boundaries. And now we see things in movies that I would have been appalled to see when I was uh, a kid. Um, you never saw Cary Grant or Joan Crawford go into a bathroom and close the door. Uh, much less of what you see on the screen today, where you see people naked squatting on the toilet. Mm -hmm. uh, it just uh, appalls me. So, uh, 
as our behavior has coarsened, so has the media. It feeds our addiction for celebrity uh, and the worst of celebrity. What trouble can celebrities get into? Uh, you'll remember in the 50s, um, Robert Mitchum got 30 days in jail for smoking uh, marijuana. Today, uh, that would be laughed off. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, but you made the point in your book uh, about how one of the reasons why the media didn't really report some of these things was because, for, in terms of the movie studios was because they depended upon the advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, which makes... Well, they depended upon access to the stars. Okay. So, I mean, why, what has changed with that? Why would, well, but I thought also it was, I mean, the, it depended upon access so that they could get their stories and so on. So what has changed now that doesn't make that as much of a, an impetus to um, not report all these secrets? After World War II, Carol, you'll, you may have read or you may have experienced, there was a certain amount of decorum in American society. Uh, there were lines that people didn't cross. Today, there are no lines that people can't cross. Um, we are all, uh, I think, uh, in uh, a great deal of uh, danger from uh, some of the uh, aspects of violence that we now uh, tend to utilized as part of our daily behavior. Yes. All right. Well, we do need to take another break. My guest is Michael Selzman. His book is All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. We're scratching the surface of his vast knowledge of what goes on behind the scenes in Hollywood. So stay tuned and we'll scratch a little more. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy Easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guests, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart. But I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? 
Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest today is Michael Selzman. He is the author of All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative, um, he has known, represented, made deals with people in Hollywood as a publicist, as a producer, as a uh, an agent. Um, he, he's been everything in Hollywood. Um, and uh, a transplanted New Yorker like I am as well. And um, we could, I mean, there's just so much to talk about. Before we, so we could, so the, all of these top stars that he has, uh, let me just name a few, but it's really so much more than this. The three Fondas, these are people who he's represented. Uh, the three Fondas, Jimmy Stewart, James Mason, Rock Hudson, Marlene Dietrich, P- Peter Sellers, Cary Grant. We started talking about Marilyn Monroe. He was the one at the um, who was at her house when she died that morning, and all the reporters were asking him what happened. Um, and he's just, you're like uh, the Forrest Gump <laughs> of Long Island or something. <laughs> um, but let's let's get a little uh, personal before we go back to the celebrities, although I guess some of the celebrities are included in this. Um, <laughs> your sexual addiction. I mean, I guess coming to, um, coming to Hollywood um, with a... With a background like you have uh, from your childhood, um, and sort of coming here at, at 18 and being, or no, it was you were 20. How old were you when Four, you? Were? I was 24 when I came. 24. Here. Okay, <laughs> ripe, ripe age to be to be a kid in a candy store in Hollywood with all these beautiful starlets who um, would be happy to sleep with anyone who could get them ahead. <laughs> Carol, I must tell you that we did very little sleeping. Yes. (laughs) Go on. Well, that's a polite term for um, for for sex, and of course, sex is a is a currency, as you know. Uh, And uh, addictions are caused by mania that uh, is created in childhood, as. As, uh, as we, as you and I know, and um, I had a terrible relationship with my mother, who could never be pleased, and so I set out to please as many women as I could, or at least have them uh, pat me on the head and tell me I was uh, terrific to be around and everything. So one thing led to another, and uh, yeah, I didn't really take advantage of actresses. I married a couple, I hired a bunch, I fired a bunch. Um, 
I lived with a couple, but um, you know, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And so, if I was, um, uh, I was spending as much time probably um, seducing women as I was. Uh, um, at, at work as either a publicist or an agent or a studio executive or what have you. And that was because it was a real addiction, and it's very serious, and it cost me a great deal. It cost me a couple of marriages. It cost me a lot of business opportunities um, because I was so focused on that kind of gratification instead of where I should have been. And, uh, you know, you never get over an addiction. You just learn to manage it. But it's every bit as serious as, as drugs or gambling or overeating or uh, any other kind of mania. And so uh, the only way I could deal with it was to... Um, was to write about it, and uh, it's in the book, uh, which you can find on michaelsalzman.com, or you can go to amazon.com and, and, and read more about it. But um, I also uh, treated it comedically. I went to a 12-step program which was based on Alcoholics Anonymous called Sexaholics Anonymous, and if you can believe that, uh, in Hollywood, uh, I'm in a room with six beautiful women who can't say no. I mean, who thought that, that would be a good idea? <laughs> and so I wrote a, uh, a screenplay, a comedic screenplay called Getting Even with Stephen, uh, which has received a lot of uh, um, uh, interest here in Hollywood about a guy who just can't say no. And it's never actually been done in the movies. We've seen lots of films about nymphomania, which is female sex addiction, but we haven't seen one yet about male sex addiction. And it's so interesting because it's all of a sudden come out of the closet. I mean, obviously, Bill Clinton had a severe problem. Here's a guy who threatened uh, to go down in history as the first impeached president for a quick um, uh, blowjob behind the door and in the Oval Office, of all things. So um, people who have a sexual addiction will risk anything um, for that kind of instant gratification. And it's not even, in his case, gratification. It's just simply the conquering of yet another woman to make up for the love he didn't get as a child from his mother, which he admits to. Well, you know, it's interesting... Um are you talking about yourself, or are you talking about Bill Clinton, or, or both? I'm talking really? about men with sex addiction. Right. It's a childhood mania created usually by the lack of love from the mother. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. In your book, you write, um, uh, there were times I was seeing as many as seven women at once. Mm -hmm. I thought then that was, that was a glamorous version of me, but each wanted to be with me on Saturday night or on my birthday or on Christmas. You get the picture. Where was I when I wasn't with them, they wanted to know. I created much anger because the lies I was telling were too difficult to, t to keep track of. I always got caught eventually, and any Freudian will assure you I wanted to be caught. Perhaps I did, but it didn't stop me. Um, you know, it made me think of how what you were really doing, and, and I know you've been in therapy, you talk about that in the book, um, and so presumably you had this covered, but just just in case... Um, you know, it, it, was, it seems to me that what you were doing was a repetition compulsion that because you were making, in terms of not just the sex, I'm talking about, um, well, that the sex and these relationships with these women, which would then make them angry at you like your mother was. So in, exactly. even though in a way you were pleasing them or having them say, you know, you're a good boy or for pleasing them, um, at the same time, you were just repeating the same behavior that ultimately 
got these women to be angry at you, and it was like punishment um, for being a bad boy. Exactly. I was recreating my childhood, and I recognized that. And when I did, knowledge, of course, is power, and then I had a choice whether to continue on that path or whether to change it, and, of course, I did. And then did you also, um, you know, later on you talk about how your mother, um, when she married your father, um, she eventually froze my dad out in favor of me, which, of course, made you, created a new guilt that caused you to punish yourself as well. Absolutely. It's amazing, though, that someone who is so messed up got so far. <laughs> well, that's not really true. The most messed up people got to be in the positions, the highest positions in Hollywood. But, I mean, I'm just kidding. No, uh, you don't think because that mania is what drives ambition. It's the lack of love as a child uh, that causes one to pile up great fortunes or yeah. great uh, objects and, and uh, to heal a hole in the heart. But, of course, that never works because it's never enough. Because yes, love. absolutely. It's what causes the, the uh, people to, be, to strive so much harder to get whatever it is that they want, to be president, to be the uh, studio head, to be... Exactly. Um, yes, absolutely. Uh, which is why so, <laughs> so many of um, today's generation of people who are going into the workforce um, who want to start at the top who have been well it's sort of a complex um, set of situations on the one hand they're messed up because their parents have been divorced and on the other hand uh, they expect everything to be handed to them because they everybody got prizes in school even the exactly so um, but let's not get too far afield, but I just wanted to make sure that I contributed to your well-being by, uh, by these insights that I got from reading your book. Well, um, you have. You well, have. You know, the thing is that it's, I mean, the problem is that so many people just get um, let their addiction, whether it's a sex addiction or alcohol or drugs, or I mean, like you were talking about Judy Garland or Marilyn Monroe or, or so many people in Hollywood, uh, Michael Jackson, um, allow their addictions to to ultimately kill them or certainly get uh, bring them down. And yes. you, what do you attribute to? What do you attribute your being able to recognize um, and cope with and manage your addictions so that you were still able to um, continue to rise to the top in Hollywood? Well, it was literally a choice between life and death. I realized when I was 38 that if I were to continue on this path, that um, I wouldn't be around very much anymore. And uh, I had uh, a, two small children, and I decided that I was going to uh, live rather than die, and I set out to uh, cure myself. And I had some uh, mentors along the way, and uh, it took a lot of hard work uh, and a lot of uh, tears and a lot of introspection and a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga, and a lot of uh, willpower. Uh, but uh, life is better than death. As uh, Mae West said, she was rich and she was poor, and rich was better. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, life was better. Well, when you say that you die from what? I mean, from worrying well, about from, catching a disease or uh, worrying well, about no, catching no, an no, angry it was, husband? It was, no, it was <laughs> a jealous husband. Yeah, that could have been. Uh, I did have an LAPD cop pull a gun on me because his wife was my client, and... Uh, we were not sleeping together, but we were doing other things. Um, 
it was it was necessary for me to because in those days we're talking about the 70s so drugs and alcohol were very prevalent there isn't much I didn't do in the way of, of drugs either uh, and I was also drinking and I was also uh, on various kinds of uppers and downers uh, but then everybody was at the time uh, you didn't go to a party without somebody pulling out uh, everybody pulling out of their pocket tiny little bottles of of cocaine that uh, they treated as the way oniophiles uh, rate wine these days. Well, this has 93 points. Well, this one comes from uh, Brazil. Well, this one comes from uh, mm-hmm. Cuba, and no one has it. And so before I go to a meeting at, uh, at uh, or at a meeting at, let's say, Universal Studios uh, in somebody's office on a coffee table, everybody would pull out their vials and tap it, and, here, try mine or try mine, before you'd make a deal. So it was just very prevalent. Uh, it's not as prevalent today as it was then, but, you know, this was the, this was the era of free love, the Beatles, the Maharishi, uh, um, and, and uh, it was just, uh, there was no limit to behavior then. Well, um... Well, you know, I think we need more people to be going to that yoga, meditation, therapy kind of route. Um, I think I think you should be calling Tiger Woods, for example. Um, we do need to take another break. The time is flying. My guest is Michael Selzman. His book is All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. Of course, you can buy it on Amazon and his website that I'll give you before the end of the show. And uh, um, the bookstores and bookstore websites and so on. And I do definitely recommend it to you because we are only able to scratch the surface. Again, it's all as vanity, memoirs of a Hollywood operative. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer, and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy 
easy-to-understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Michael Feldman. He is uh, Mr. Hollywood. His book is All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. And uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, there's just so much that we can talk about in here. We have just barely scratched the surface. Scotch, it's all that talk about alcohol. (laughs) Um, But one of the the fun chapters that he talks talks about in the book is lying in Hollywood, which is uh, you almost have to take an oath before they let you into Hollywood uh, to promise to lie. Of course, if you're lying, you don't necessarily have to keep the oath. But tell us about that, because I don't think, you know, yes, we hear about this in the, in the tabloids and so on, but people don't realize just the extent of it. Well, to the extent, Carol, that everybody lies um, from time to time, probably every single day on some level or another. You see somebody's film and they say, what do you think of it? And you say, oh, you know, it was pretty good. Uh, or they don't make movies like that anymore. <laughs> or what can I say after you see that movie? Everybody does lie uh, in their lives all the time. But in Hollywood, it's a uh, really a profession. And the better you are at it, the higher you will rise in the firmament. Um, studio executives lie. Uh, lawyers lie. Yes, they do. Uh, agents lie. Actors lie. I remember I once uh, was casting a movie, uh, and I needed uh, a guy to ride a motorcycle. Twenty-eight guys came in and said, oh, yeah, they rode, rode motorcycles all the time. So I, I said, had a motorcycle, and I said, okay, let me sh- show me. And a guy went right into a wall and broke a leg. And so uh, everybody does does lie. And so um, you learn to be very good at it. And um, uh, so that so is everyone else. So you never really know. There was, a, uh, I wanted to call this uh, "Good Morning." He lied, but um, somebody had already taken that title. Well, well, like, go on and give us more examples of some of the lies or why people lie. Well, people lie in order to raise their status. Uh, if they, uh, men especially, uh, and you know all about male ego. Uh, men do not talk about how they feel. They can only talk about in groups about uh, business, um, sports, and imaginary sex uh, that they uh, claim that they had. <laughs> Where women uh, will meet another woman on a, a checkout line at a supermarket, and by the time each of them have paid, they know each other's menstrual cycles and uh, uh, are meeting for lunch the next week. So um, men will fabricate uh, uh sexual activity. I had a partner once who would lie about his bowel movements, and, he, and I would check with his wife, and he was lying. I mean, why? Okay, I read about that. Why, why was he doing that? It's, who knows? I mean, because <laughs> lying becomes 
such such ingrained behavior. You talked about repetitive behavior before. Everybody lies, and uh, therefore you never know what the truth is about anything. And of course, truth is subjective, isn't it? We uh, our truths become what, what what we judge them to be true, and so you can't ever judge anyone else's capacity for telling the truth because yours is so impaired. Well. Um... Tell us about, you know, one of the things that, that really a lot of people who um, don't know the, their way around Hollywood get stuck in is um, try, sending or trying to send their scripts or their ideas, their treatments for television shows and films to Hollywood studios. And then um, they get the letter, and I've had this happen to me, um, you know, saying we have something like this in the works. Yes, and then, I, lo and behold, a, yes, they have it in the works because you gave them the idea. Well, yes. As a matter of fact, as a studio producer, writers would come in to me and pitch a story. If I liked it, but I didn't like the writer, I would say, oh, we have something like that. And, um, of course, the minute the writer left, we would, as they do in a garment business, move a buttonhole, uh, and it would be our story. And I'd put a writer on it that I could control. So that's true. Um, when writers submit material, they can't do it by themselves. Uh, they must do it through an agent uh, uh, because that, that gives you someone to sue. Um, in, I think, 1941, a writer submitted a screenplay to Billy Wilder, whose secretary said he wasn't interested in reading it and sent it back. And then the next year he made a film uh, exactly from that story. Uh, called Ace in the Hole, and so now they have what they call the Billy Wilder rule, that they will not deal with uh, um, writers they don't know directly. It has to come through an agent. Uh, well, when you say because that gives them someone to sue, gives who someone to sue? Oh, the writer can sue the agent, and the studio can say, well, you know, it was submitted to us uh, uh, through the agent, so that's who's culpable. Uh-huh. Hmm. And the agent has to take the rap, or else he's not going to do business with that studio again, which puts him literally out of business. So, and the agents do that if they get paid off enough by the studio, or they just do it, they just turn a blind eye because uh, they want to keep representing things that they will get paid for. Exactly. Because once you're frozen out of a studio, they might as well go out of business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk. That's um, you, you know you were mentioning before about Avatar and how Hollywood that people should change their careers. Um, what do you see happening to the entertainment industry? Well, the movie business itself is changing radically, just as the music business has. Uh, used to go into music stores like Tower Records or Virgin and pick out a uh, an album that you like. Those stores have closed. Where do you get your music? Do you get it on the Internet? That's where movies are going eventually. The only people who go to the movies anymore are kids, young kids, because they need to get out of the house or uh, it's a dating thing or something. But older people don't go out anymore. And because of widescreen and because of... Uh, CGI uh, at home, people are cocooning and people are not um, dealing with movie theaters in which the cell phone rings all the time or kids are yelling. Uh, and it costs you 50 to $100 to go out to a movie these days. With, if you have a babysitter involved or you want to go out to dinner first or um, $5 or $7 for popcorn. 
so uh, eventually everybody is going to see movies the way Apple presents them now. You simply download the movie you want to see and you see it on your 60-inch screen and in the comfort and security of your own home. Yeah, but there's nothing like seeing a movie in a movie theater. I mean, it, it's so different at home, where, even if it's on a big screen. Well, it depends on the movie, doesn't it? Uh, Avatar, oh, my. Is that seen. a... Um, is that music telling us that we have to shut oh, up? Oh, no. <laughs> no? Is this the end? Well, my. Um, well, all right. I guess we're getting the message. Um, let me right. give out the, the website for Michael Selzman. It's at Michael. S-E-L-S-M-A-N. Michael Selzman dot com. S-E-L-S-M-A-N. Michael Selzman dot com. Again, the book is called All is Vanity, Memoirs of a Hollywood Operative. Michael, you've been a great guest. We could talk for like uh, till next week's show. <laughs> okay, let's do it again, Carol. I okay, love talking absol- to you. Absolutely. Um, I love talking to someone who has the same kinds of uh, opinions about Hollywood as I do. It's a, it's a tough town, but you got to learn to live with it. Yep. Well, <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show. Thank you all You're for listening. You're welcome, Carol. Thank I do definitely me. recommend this book. It's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it really has a lot of things that you that you won't believe about your favorite stars. Um, thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.